Hey guys, welcome to The Butter Dish. I'm Natalie Delaney. And I'm Heidi Bollard. And we're joined by Marcy Nevin today, one of our super good friends from Instagram. And we've been alongside each other in this parallel life of Instagram <laughs> and annoyance, but we definitely want you to meet her if you're not familiar with her. Um, Marcy, tell us about yourself. Uh, okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. It is truly an honor. And I know that this came out of a very interesting conversation that Natalie and I were having a couple of weeks ago, just I'll be open and honest here, venting our frustrations because we have them too. Just like our clients, whether it's the scale, you know, their lack of progress when it comes to our own lives, you know, businesses, um, it happens. So we are human. But a little bit about myself. So I live in Northern California, not too far from you guys. Um, and I have been in the fitness space, gosh, really since I was about 19. So I'm 39 years, 39 years, I'm 39 now. So 20 years, I got my personal training certification when I was in college at the University of Oregon, just because I was in the thick of my fitness journey. So I had already been on it for a couple of years. And at that point, like it had gotten a little bit disordered, which I think we're going to talk about on this episode. Um, but I just, I had fallen in love with it. So I was training at a 24 hour fitness. Um, even though I had this like big, beautiful gym that I could go to on campus and fate would have it that I met two guys who kind of took me under their wing, introduced me to people like John Berardi, Precision Nutrition, the website T Nations. So, like I got very you know, into nutrition and fitness, like in my late teens, early twenties and decided that I would get my certification, not because I wanted to do that for a career. I just thought, Hey, you know, while I'm going to school, maybe it's something that I can do on the side, or let's say that one day I have kids and I don't want to work full-time. This is something that I could do on the side as well. So that was really the intention behind it. Uh, and then when I graduated, I got into outside sales that lasted a couple of years and then I got fired. So I was like, well, I need to figure something out and buy myself some time until I figured out what my next move was going to be. So long story short, but I ended up getting hired at a small personal training studio. And at the time I was dealing with the ramifications of my you know, lifestyle back in college, I had developed an autoimmune disease, was dealing with some health issues and just like really not feeling great. And so I think that being a trainer was kind of a safe space for me because I could make my own hours and all of that. So, um, yeah, I kept doing it. And 12 years later was still doing it until the pandemic hit and my gym shut down overnight. So luckily I had started to build my online business at that point. I hired a woman named Jill Coleman in 2015, I went through her mentorship and just slowly started putting content out online. Um, and then in 2017, I had developed like some form of a relationship with Jordan Syatt. And he and I got a, on a call and that basically changed the trajectory of my online business. So luckily, even though the pandemic happened and you know most of my income had been taken away from me, I had started to build that online presence, which I am very grateful for and had you know a couple of clients at that point. So I was like, well, this is my opportunity to go all in. So I have been doing that full time since what, 2020. And then I also, as of November, 2021, started to work for the company Nutrition Dynamic, which is who I am a client of. My coach, Vince Pitstick, that's his company. And I do sales customer support for them. So I have, just like you guys, <laughs> two gigs. <Yeah. laughs> Although I don't have the real job of being a mom. <laughs> oh. I mean, real, let's put that in air quotes too. I mean, it's like, you know, I... What's what's what I would love for you guys to, as you're listening to kind of take away from this conversation is like some really true, honest, like, you know, we're gonna be pretty upfront with a lot of things in this trajectory about like even our own, you know, our own air quote fitness journeys and things like that and the transition and how like even creating content, you know, like four or five years ago was completely different than it is now. Mm -hmm. And how I would love to kind of title this podcast a little bit, like if I had to pick one, call it like the great shift, right? And the great shift in the respect of like allowing yourself to evolve is probably the only way you're going to make it, right? <laughs> because if we're stuck in a lot of the same patterns and thoughts thoughts and beliefs and the way that we've been doing things and we're, it's not yielding either what we want, what we think we want, what we're hoping for, 
Um, if you're looking a little bit at like the trajectory of like, you know, I've always been dieting, you know, we saw this a lot, you know, a couple of years ago where women had no idea about even, I mean, maintenance for one, right. Much less reverse dieting, or even no one would dare have ever considered a build like five years ago, right. Like intentionally gaining weight, who the hell does that? Right. And now we have this shift for, you know, different desires and different wants. And, and now building muscle is more relevant and prominent than ever, but we still have a lot of you know, in between noises between like past versions and, and future versions and, and then and the now. And I think us trying to open up a little bit to see like what ways you can kind of bring yourself along with you in this is really, really key to the evolution of yourself more than I'm just going to be a better, more confident version of myself when I lose five to 10 pounds, or I'm going to have really made it like once I have a six pack or once I have the, these aesthetic, mm-hmm. you know, goals met, because what's happening is as we're evolving in this space as coaches and as women like Marcy, Heidi, and I, is that we're seeing a lot of holes, right? We're seeing a lot of things that people are not willing to address. And the irony is that they're not really sexy, right? And so they don't create a lot of traction with people because people still have this belief that like, if I lose weight or if I looked a certain way, my life would be great and like nothing will go wrong. Um, And so with that, let's just like dive into some like stuff that's just driving us like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm, I'm so here for this conversation. (laughs) So like what's coming up for you guys? Like, as you like think about the great shift or the shift that like, even from like, you know, three years ago, Marcy and Heidi. Oh man. I'm if you, would you like to start? You go ahead, please. Well, um, it's definitely, a a lot of thoughts. Um, so this whole, like Marcy alluded to, like this whole conversation between, between the two of you about Instagram and how, um, creating content. It's really interesting because it's, there's almost like a little bit of a parallel that we see like on Instagram, the more polarizing content is what gets engagement and interaction. Right. And a lot of that content reads very all or nothing and is, is reveals a lot of these holes that you're, that you're talking about. And I, and I, I get, I definitely get the appeal in the sense that like, we, we'd love to just live our life by these generalized imperatives, right? Like, um, but the truth is most things end in this like land in this like messy middle, right? Like some of the things we were talking about, like earlier before we got on the podcast, before we hit record, we're like striving for excellence versus perfect versus perfection. How do you know the difference? Um, is it like going out with ice cream for your, with your kids? Is that temptation or is that a quality of life choice? Um, and, and, and those nuances are lost in these broad statements. Like if you don't have the results you want, it's because you're not working hard enough. right and that that message is just communicated in like a million different ways or like you know even messages like don't compare yourself to me because I do all of these things um at the same time that like it it, there's still see like women can still read a lot of judgment into those things like oh I I should be able to do all of those things It, it can get very um it can get very confusing. So it's like, and I've seen this trajectory on your page too, Marcy. It's like, as we've tried to, um, tried to, you know, as our content has reflected the shift that we've seen in ourselves of like, um, not everything has to be weighed and tracked 24, seven, 365, right. Where at the beginning, I think we were so excited about macros and that content that like, we weren't, we didn't, we didn't see the larger impact of like what, what that was, what that kind of mindset was doing. Right. And so now we, when we post content, I know you feel the same way too. Like we're going to like, we try to give context and, and include those kinds of nuances, which end up making our content less polarizing, maybe a little bit more abstract with a lot less engagement because it isn't so like, do this X, Y, and Z, or you're this, or like, if you're this way, you need to do blah, blah, blah. Is that what, did that make sense? Yes. It's like, we've gone from like, we went from like sharp corners, like rounded corners, right? Like we, we don't want you to freaking take your face off when you like, when you read this, right. It's like the clickbait content that like, 
people love to hear because for whatever reason, they think that it's motivating to them or inspirational. It's like, but is it really, or are you just feeding the same narrative you've always thought about yourself, that you are not good enough. You are not doing it right. There's somebody doing it better. There's somebody doing it faster. And like, it's just, I mean, I get it. Like if you look, I mean, there's the fact that doom scrolling is a thing for a reason. I think a lot of people don't realize that they're doing that with their fitness feeds too. It's not just like these horrible, awful things that are happening in our world that people are intrigued by. It's also those same messages, right? Like you just don't do this enough or you are a lazy, you know, it's like, it's like Kim Kardashian's like, everyone just needs to work harder. Like you could be me if you just worked harder. I'm like, well, no, actually there's a lot of things that mm-hmm. it would take for us to be you, you know, but That's like a great example. Like, like there's so many nuances. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not sure if I've ever really been the sharp edges corner or the sharp, what'd you say it was? The sharp <laughs> yeah. <edges>. Sharp corner. <laughs> Content um, type of creator. I don't know what has shifted over the past. I would say a couple of years where my message does not get as much engagement as it did. You know, is it the algorithm? I don't know. This is something else that Natalie and I were talking about in our Instagram messages where it seems like there are quite a few people who kind of came up around the same time whose engagement is also decreasing very rapidly. And so it's like, is it really just us or is there something else going on? I don't know. And I do not have the time or the energy to try to figure it out. I'm just like beyond that at this point. So I'm going to keep putting out the content that resonates with me in the sense that it allows me to be in my integrity because I would feel really gross about myself if I put out this type of content just to like get the sale or, you know, to attract the client. Cause honestly, like maybe that's not even the client that I want to attract. Um, and, and, you know, there's all these business coaches out there and you know, for, I have business coaches too. Um, right now, my, one of my mentors still is Jordan Syatt because I align with his values so much. And he is not about that type of messaging necessarily. Mm -hmm. And one thing that coaches will say is, you know, you have to sell people what they want and then give them what they need on the back end, which yes, I agree to an extent or like, I understand the appeal of that. So in this conversation, it's give them the kind of like tough love or, you know, the fat loss content, that type of stuff. And then when you are with them doing the work, then give them the mindset stuff. And I think for us, we are giving them the mindset stuff with the content (laughs) and then hoping on the other side, like we're going to be able to get them the results. Um, Absolutely. I, I love how you frame that because while there definitely is like science and and facts regarding how you make these specific changes losing fat or building muscle and and that can be i mean that those are just is what it is kinds of things right like you have to create a calorie deficit to lose fat but at the same time without the mindset or just just having that be like the sole focus of your page the subtext is that this should be the focus of your life all of the time yeah. um and that that is like that that you know, it should be number one priority. And I think as coaches and as women in our own journey, like we've seen enough and experienced enough to know that that cannot be the thing all of the time. Um, and so even if it's just saving our own sanity, it's like the message has to be diversified. Well, and one more thing that I want to say before we segue into that is also this very just you know, kind of concrete content, like calorie deficit, you just need to be in a calorie deficit. Okay. Well, how do I do that? I'm having a really hard time. And then, so it's like, you make it seem like it's so easy. And I always say in my, 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 excuse me, in my posts, fat loss is simple. Creating a calorie deficit is simple. It's not easy. There's so much else that goes into it our environment, our beliefs, our upbringing. So like, it's not that black and white. And I think people see, you know, just create a calorie deficit. All you have to do is, you know, cut out these foods, walk 10,000 steps a day, get your sleep, whatever it is. And then they're probably thinking to themselves, like, why can't I do this? What is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And nothing is wrong with you. Uh, maybe it's something that's wrong about the approach or, you know, they also don't believe in themselves. And I see this a lot with my own clients. Like they don't believe in themselves, but also I don't think that they 
believe that they can sustain this for the long term because they have so much evidence from previous experiences where they tried to do it the, the like the fast way, you know, they were restrictive and like that wasn't sustainable. So they couldn't stick to it. Now, again, they believe there's something wrong with them. They're a failure. And so when they do start to see these results, like, oh my gosh, the scale is going down. I'm fitting better in my clothes. I'm feeling more confident. That self-sabotage kicks in. And I do believe it's because they think that they're going to have to, you know, kind of uphold this very rigid lifestyle for the rest of their life. And that's just simply not the truth. And and like you guys said, and I know we're going to talk about that. It's not healthy physically, mentally, emotionally, like you literally cannot be in that season forever. Absolutely. Well, and, and ironically, how much the symptoms of the symptoms of cutting actually even if you did, even if we didn't as humans already have those kinds of feelings and tendencies, like symptoms of a cut actually reinforce like rigid thinking and are, is a, is a stressor all in and of itself. So it's like that, that, um, you know, bringing that kind of awareness into, into a calorie deficit, like, yes, these are the things you might, you might need to do or adjust to create one, but also it's not like as if, as if we can compartmentalize like, oh, this is just what's happening with your body. And then over here, way over on the other side, here's what's happening with your mindset as if those, you know, those things are so intertwined and, and inform each other, um, that it's just not, you have to bring self-awareness in like, the thing like this is how that pro- this process is going to feel. You're going to be more irritable. You're going to have disrupted sleep. You're going to feel you're going to have decreased energy. And I think that that shock of like people starting a calorie deficit with one sort of feeling and then quickly having a different reality set in like a couple of weeks later, again, they internalize that as like as something wrong with them. And I think that that content is not nearly as broadcasted to, you know, to like an Instagram audience that like, they, they, we just want to glorify the results and the effort. We don't want to, we don't want to inform anyone of like, well, we do, but generally speaking, people aren't interested in that, in that messy middle. Again, it's just like, I want to, I want to know, you know, it, it just informs again, like this sort of polarizing all or nothing. Like, I don't want to talk about how to balance stress. Like, I just want to know, like, how hard I, what's the, what's the quickest way to, to the results, you know, quickest way to like feel better. Right. When, when everyone like bees out the other things, it's like on your way to feeling better, you're going to have to feel worse. Yeah. Yeah. The the irony is the more that people think that they are broken, whether it's just from like the lack of aesthetics or the lack of weight loss production is that they don't, they have nothing, they have nothing to sell to you then. Right. Like if, if you can, if you can like take, I mean, I know we say this a lot. It's just like, if you actually took the time to actually like appreciate and like yourself, like as is like, nobody would like that. Like the industry would hate that Mm. for you to have self-acceptance or for you to actually like be content with who you are or like not have to change things so drastically or like be desperate for like another weight loss drug or another quick fix. Like our industry ironically would be like, no, we don't want people to like feel content with who they are and feel at peace with who they are. That's a horrible idea. All of us be out of the job. Yeah. People are going to come to exercise at the gym because they like moving their bodies and embracing how they feel no matter what they weigh. No, right. right. It's like, who are you to feel good about yourself? Seriously. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I will admit that in the past I have put up the before and after pictures of myself. This is probably a couple of years ago, but it was because I was actually going through a fat loss process and then a reverse. And I was documenting that and it got tons of likes and engagement and, oh, you look so great. And, you know, I was proud of the work that I did, but I will be fully transparent. The end of my fat loss phase, which lasted nine months, which for a lot of people be like, oh my gosh, that's so long. But I was making good progress for the majority of the time. I was feeling okay until I didn't, um, <laughs> right? Uh, because yeah. I want that on a bumper sticker. Actually, I was feeling okay until I didn't. <laughs> that should be yeah. a t-shirt. That story of a cut. The yeah. story of a cut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'll never forget. So it was when I had hired my coach Vince, so four years ago, and I went to him not necessarily with aestheticals, but because my health was at 
rock bottom yet again. And, you know, we worked through some of those issues and he's like, and I, to be honest, was not feeling great about my body. So I've told the story many times, but I had gone to a powerlifting gym about the or a year before. And I went in there, you know, I almost, I wasn't underweight necessarily, but I definitely could have gained some weight and been okay, but I was comfortable in how I looked. Um, I felt good about myself. My energy was pretty good. I was training hard, uh, but I went into this gym and the coach, I had to be interviewed to even like get a spot there. Oh. And he was my, my ex-boyfriend, my now ex-boyfriend's um, powerlifting coach at the time. So he kind of knew about my past, like my disordered eating and all of that. And I feel like he really used it against me to kind of manipulate me in a sense. So he said to me, he's like, yeah, you can come train here, but with one um, expectation or one condition. And that is that you are going to gain weight and none of this one pound per month bullshit. Like I know you're going to try to pull. That is exactly what he said to me. I will never forget it. He's like, you will gain as much weight as I tell you to in the amount of time that I tell you to. And if not, like you will not have a spot on this team. And I was like, yes, sir. Like this was like when I was just you know, really dealing with low self-worth and, um, you know, it was kind of like an ego thing for me, like, oh, I'll show you that I can do this. And it was really scary. I mean, because I don't think that those mental roadblocks ever necessarily go away. Um, they're always lingering in the back of your mind, which I can talk more about that in a, in a little bit, but anyway, it was like, yeah, sure. I'll gain the weight. So I put on about 15 pounds in less than three months, which for someone of my size is a lot of weight. And I no longer felt good in my body. Um, and it was really hard for me. So long story short, I ended up leaving there, hired Vince six months later, we got through my health stuff and he's like, okay, well, if you want to pursue fat loss, that's totally fine. And I was like, yeah, let's go for it. And I like to say that a healthy body is a responsive body. So I just started like losing weight like that. It was just melting off and I wasn't really having to do anything that drastic. And he was like, wow, this is happening pretty quickly. Like, what would you think about really pushing the intensity? Like, do you want to treat this like a competition prep? And I think that former version of me who at one point did want to be a figure competitor or a bikini competitor, but didn't want to actually like have to step on stage was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's see how far I can take this. So we did. And nine months later, I mean, I was at the leanest I had ever been, but I also felt like I was walking through mud every single day, but I'm like, oh no, like I'm going to push harder. I'm going to push harder. So, you know, my relationship blew up. Like I, I was just not the best version of myself by any means. Um, I was struggling to get through my workouts, even just like get through the day in the first place. So looking back on that, was it worth it? No, it definitely wasn't. But did it get a lot of likes on Instagram? Yeah, absolutely it did. But I wasn't necessarily being forthcoming about what the end of that process actually looked like. Hmm. It's interesting what you said about that coach. You said he was using your disordered eating against you. And I, I wonder sometimes like with the content that like, and, and I, and I really do feel for like everybody out there who is in this space trying to create content because sometimes we just don't even know what we're doing. I mean, Heidi and I like would create, you know, macros and everything for like every single holiday and every single like whatever. And like, when I look back, I'm like, like, that was super fun. I thought it was super fun back then when mm -hmm. we did that. And I'm like, I don't know that I really want you to like do all that on Easter or do all that on Christmas. Like right. I would actually really like you to enjoy yourself. Like, yeah. and, and it's interesting how I could see if you look back, like depending on who you were at the time, looking at us, you would have thought we were like probably really disordered. <laughs> right. Oh, for sure. And, but at the same time in our mind, it was like fun and helpful and interesting. Yeah. And, and how sometimes like, especially, you know, we we're talking before you hopped on about like how you're like, oh, some of my content is vanilla. It's hard for us because I do think that there are more and more and more and more people have eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Heidi actually like printed out like a bunch and like we were reading through some of them and we're like, oh my gosh, that's a thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. That's also a thing. And, and everybody probably has a little bit of a variation of one in to some extent, mm -hmm. whether it's like, I think people think eating disorder means like either it's either anorexia or bulimia, bulimia yep. right? But like, we also know that there's way there's tons of other stuff in between, mm -hmm. but how much of the content are people that 
maybe have eating disorders or maybe have disordered relationships with their bodies, you know, orthorexia, things like that are creating content that you are trying to pattern yourself by and your life by, right? Not realizing like, like if you knew that this person had an eating disorder, like, would you still feel inspired the same way? Or would you feel more like, okay, I got to take this with a little bit of a different lens. And like, are we seeing the content that is provided to us with the right lens for us? Right? Like is mm-hmm. every single, like, you know, parenting post really for me, or can mm-hmm. I be like, okay, that might be for somebody that has this situation, but, it, and I could take the suggestions that I want from it, but maybe that's not fully directed at me. Right. And, and the same thing goes with people and their food and their workouts. And, you know, we talked a little about earlier, like, is it, is it disciplined or is it disordered or is it a discipline that can become disordered? Right. Or is it, you know, which what like how we frame things and how we say things also matters. Right. And the context we give it to ourselves. And so with content, yeah, the rounded corners sometimes like really does feel a little bit more true to us as far as from an integrity purpose, right? Because I definitely don't want any woman walking away thinking that they have to do it this way totally. or there is no other way, right? Totally. I mean, it's like, while while in our defense, we both have ADHD and we were, we, you know, our, our it was a we shiny were, new we were so excited about figuring out every new problem and strategy. And so it was kind of more of that rabbit hole. And we really... Right. Like great intentions for it. Totally. Totally. I mean, it was, we coming out of a lifetime of feeling like, um, ineffectual, like not able to make the changes that we felt like we wanted to make all of a sudden it, it, it felt like we found this magic decoder ring of like, you can figure out the macros of like any other, any situation. Right. And so even though we put like, this is kind of like when I refer to like our our content in the past, not so much polarizing, but this is the kind of stuff we mean where it's like, yeah, maybe we put in there on the, like how to eat on Easter. Maybe we put in there, like you can also just eat mindfully or enjoy yourself. Like, yes, we put that there, but at the same time, the presence of that post, the subtext is from two macro counting professionals, you kind of should do it this way. Right. Yeah. And that that's, that's the kind of stuff that again, it's like, in, in good conscience, like if you're in a cut, okay. Like we can, you know, here's some tips, but like in no way, shape or form, should this be the way that you approach eating and holidays mm-hmm. all the time forever? Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I can still track the macros with the best of them. And I do. And yeah. for the majority of the time I do so in a very disciplined way also because it doesn't really bother me. You know, it's just, I could do it with my eyes closed at this point. It's funny. <laughs> I got to say this. I remember you guys mentioning, I think you even commented on one of my posts. This is a while back. I put up something about pre-logging your day and you guys mentioned something about like not pre-logging. <laughs> Interest of full transparency. I have not pre-logged a day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so obsessed with you for admitting that. (laughs) The only thing I've pre-logged is like an epic bowl of like honeycombs or something like that. And that's just like in a cut just to like guarantee it's going to happen. Yeah, Yeah. for for real. And I I think the reason for that, and this is where we have to be, you know, I think context is really important is like, I have the skills because I've done this for so long. You know, even before I started tracking macros, I just... I knew how to eat in a way that made me feel good. I, it was easy for me to do that. And so when I did find macros, it wasn't like this thing that I had to figure out. My relationship with food had already started to improve. Um, and, and again, like, it, yeah, went back to like a skill thing, which I know Karin Nordine talks about a lot. So everyone will look at me and say, like, oh, you're so disciplined. You have such great willpower. And it's like, no, I just have a different skill set than maybe you do at this point. Like I have different, um, you know, ways to manage my mind and overcome my emotions, you know, whatever the case may be. And so I can make good choices in the moment where I don't necessarily have to pre-log because I'm not worried about not being able to hit the numbers for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to admit that. And do I tell all of my clients to pre-log? Yes, absolutely. Because I know that they do not have the same type of skill set that I do up until this point. And hopefully they get to the point where maybe they're still tracking and they don't have to pre-log because they have built that sense 
of self-trust. And, you know, most of their meals look pretty much the same. They have a general idea of what the macros are and they can log up as they go and they don't get to dinner and have, you know, 70 grams of protein left to hit and have totally, you know, blown their fat and only have five grams of carbs left. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of wild. Like I, I actually like love hearing you say that because it's like, we're on the other camp. Like I actually will never tell anyone that they have to pre-log because I never did. Mm-hmm. So it's like that for the stress and for my personality type and probably past traumas that I probably need to address. Right. <laughs> like the scarcity behind pre-logging is very real for me. Like if I see it disappear before I've even eaten it, it like, will I even just talking about it right now, like I can literally feel it in my body, like mm-hmm. the anxiousness creeping in. Right. So even like when I embark on a cut, it's like, but it's like, I think pre-logging can mean a lot of things, right. Pre-logging can mean having things that you have built in for success. Like I can have my fridge pre-logged with like plenty of protein options, right. Without it physically being in here, you know, yeah, but we have like, this right. is what you eat Tuesday right. at noon. But half whatever. of our coaches yeah. do pre-log and they do support people who want to pre-log too, and mm-hmm. show them those ways too. And I think that from a success standpoint, does it make sense to know what you're about to do? Absolutely. Like we're not in, in disagreement on that, but at the same time, it's like, if it requires a little bit more effort on, on the front and the back end, if you are unable to pre-log, that's also an option too, right? Which I think is the beauty and the flexibility of like counting macros. Well, and I always give my clients options and I even say like, okay, let's pre-log just to create a skeleton or like some yeah, separate for sure. structure, for Sure, you know, okay, meal one is going to have approximately this many macros. And yes, you are pre-logging those foods perhaps just because, you know, if it's a a perfect day, so to speak, you know, you're able to get that meal in, but let's say something happens and you, you know, you cannot get that in. So you still like, rather than having the all or nothing thinking of like, oh, I'm just going to go have, you know, a donut. Okay. Well, what is another option? And I have these macros set, but what else can I get to fit within them? So- That's more like it. And then, you know, if they go on vacation, I never have my clients track. They always ask me, should I track? It's like, no, I actually don't want you to because tracking is a tool. It's not a life sentence. You don't have to do it forever. There's going to come a time where you get burnt the hell out and you're not going to want to do it. You're going to feel resentful and then shit's going to hit the fan. So let's use these opportunities to practice and to develop self-trust so that when you do step away from macro tracking, you know how to do it without being so rigid, without having to use my fitness pal, without having to pre-log. So in those instances, like, yes, I will still give them structure. So let's do like three meals, one snack a day. And, you know, each meal is going to look like this. So guidelines, so to speak. Totally. I think that's, that's such a great perspective. And I think something that's kind of coming up for me while you're, while you're talking about that too, is like, so this initial question we have, right? Like, is it disciplined or disordered? And it's, you know, I've heard a couple different theories about this, right? Like one being like, well, if you, if you like the results or if you, or how does, you know, we talk about a lot about like how the process feels. Right. And I wonder if there's almost, you know, there's another, another one to add to that, which is like, how do you feel when you can't do it the way you think it should be done? You know, and this like, because I think a lot of people um, without realizing it and sort of glorify their chosen like stress response or, or even, or also demonize it. Right. Like if you, you know, I kind of went, I would say just generally speaking, I would say for a long time, I was kind of in my life, I was kind of in more of like a shutdown inactive state, right? So then it felt really great to like get active, but then that's kind of subtly turned into like hypervigilance and like never resting, right? Mm -hmm. So this whole thing of like, so you might be really active. That's fantastic. Can you rest? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you might, you might struggle. You might be a little more sedentary. Like, can you push yourself to do the harder thing? Like, what is the thing that is easy for you or hard for you? And how do you feel about the other side of that. You brilliant. Know? It's just like, I mean, that is what like the great shift is too, right? It's yeah. like, can you, if you're so super laser and focused and you can like track like nobody's business, can you not track? Mm, right. Yeah. Like it's a, your vacation is a, a great example. It's just like, and like, this is, you know, kind of the evolution of like the three of us. It's, it's about 
getting using your expertise or your life experience up to this point and then finding the holes in it that you maybe need to like work on. Right. So it's like, yes, like if you are so disciplined all the time, what happens? Are you allowing yourself to like, maybe not be so disciplined all the time right? Mm. or vice versa? If you're never disciplined, what would it take for you to be a little bit more disciplined? Right. Yeah. And it's just like, I think unless you have built in like evaluation tools for yourself about the journey you're on and where you're at in the phase story, you actually don't even see what comes up for you until maybe it's, and maybe it's part of a reflective process too. But I remember like, we've talked about it a couple of times when we did these really intense cuts, like at the end of the pandemic, it's like the first times I've really had some disordered thinking. And I'm like, these are very unnatural thoughts for me because I know how predictable my regular thoughts are, right? Usually, but to think about like, gosh, I cannot wait to like go home and see how long I can sleep. So I have less windows to think about food, like Mm. little things like that were new thoughts for me, right? Like, I wonder if I could sleep for like four or five hours and distract myself long enough so that like, I only had like one hour to like, you know, Mm. if I only have 1195 to eat. I, I really, like I could only create like another hour or two where I would be around food and I can go back to sleep. Like that is not a normal thought pattern for me at all. Like, don't get me wrong. I love me a nap, but like in order to avoid <laughs> in avoiding my life in order for, for fat loss, that is a very weird thought for me. Right. Yes. And so, and that is, I think disordered in a sense for sure. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. So, but can you see that or hear that thought of yours and be like, give yourself pause and be like, this is something's changing in me. Like this is a thought that is not normal for me. And it could be a positive one or a negative thought, right? Uh, per your usual, you might be like, oh my gosh, today I didn't go to the gym and I didn't beat myself up about it, right? Like we've heard people say that, right? Like, or I took an extra rest day and I usually only have one or two schedules and I took a third one because I really wanted to, I was really tired and I wanted to sleep in more. Like these kind of things, like if it's a new thought pattern for you, it's worth seeing where that's going, right? Is that a shift for you? And in what direction is it? And does it feel good? And does it feel like integrity to you? Right. Yeah. And also like what is driving the behavior? So I will explain this and share a story. Talk about disordered. <laughs> um when I was or when reverse dieting first started to become popular, I really thought that applied to me. It probably did apply to me because I had been under eating for a very long time and was afraid to gain weight. So this is probably, oh God, I think 2015-ish. And I hired a coach by the name of Jason Phillips. You're probably familiar with him. He was very popular in the CrossFit space at that time. Um, now he does much more business coaching and all of that. So I hired him, we got started and he put me through a reverse and probably within the first two weeks of us working together, I, at the time had just gotten into a new relationship and I was going to the East coast with my new boyfriend to visit his family. And because I had to do everything so perfectly, not only for myself, but to basically make someone else proud of me, I brought my food scale because I had to eat like all of these carbs, right? So brought my food scale, brought a potato peeler and made my boyfriend (laughs) drive me to Whole Foods so I could get sweet potatoes and squash and like all the things that I needed so that I could perfectly track my macros. And I will never forget, I was in our hotel room and because I don't use my fitness pal, I was calculating the macros on like one of those little sheets of paper that they give you with like the small pencils like meticulously tracking my macros in that hotel room, weighing my sweet potatoes, microwaving them just so I could hit those numbers. And so that my coach would be proud of me. And then going to that next experience with the other coach, basically overriding what felt good for me to make this person proud Um, and, and to get that validation. And where did that stem from? Like childhood trauma. I will completely acknowledge that not like big T trauma, but the little T trauma. So my core wound is that I live in other people's shadows. You know, I'm never the one who people see. Um, and so I think that's really where my disordered eating, not eating disorder, but disordered eating and exercise habits stem from is I was wanting to get that external validation, mostly from men. And so I would hire these male coaches who maybe were not the right fit. um, Or again, where I was overriding what I was fearing in my mind, just so I would get that acknowledgement. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's totally relatable. I mean, I feel similar in in a lot of ways, like that content that we're talking about, about like, you can, you, you can figure it out. You can, 
you can figure out how to track on these holidays and you can do this and you can do this. Like it sounds really optimistic, but a lot of that comes from one of my core wounds, which is like, you can fix yourself. You've got to fix yourself. You must fix yourself. You know, that like, uh, you're not okay as you are kind of a thing. And it's, it is like, it's crazy how some of those beliefs that you, you, you can, with the objectivity and like the witnessing that Natalie's talking about, like when you see those things come up and you realize like, those are some really old beliefs, <laughs> you know, that you might've been just like a little tiny person when you first started believing that. And that, that like, that really can inform how you treat yourself and even the types of goals that you come up with. Um, and, and so I think that kind of, you know, I think that's a really powerful example of how, that how self-awareness is at the, at the foundation of the big shift, like realizing like there's nobody more important to make proud for Marcy Nevin than Marcy Nevin. Right. And I know that sounds so like, well, why don't you just cross stitch it on a pillow? Like that's so cute. (laughs) But like, it's like when you feel it, when you feel that in your body, it's a totally different experience. Right. That's probably the greatest thing I've ever heard. I know we should make horror wound pillows. <laughs> you know what? TMs, TMs. Yeah. yeah. Through Instagram. We're going into business. We're going to do horror wound pillows. <laughs> it would, it would sell, man. It really, would. yeah. You know, walk into people's houses, like got yours, got yours, got yours, got yours. Wonderful. I know exactly how to be here. We're just yeah, going to go to, who do I need to be in order to like, have you like me? Got it. This is a words of affirmation household. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, that's why I, I think I used to not, I think I know I used to be a pretty militant coach and especially when I was in the personal training space. So in my mid twenties, so disciplined yet disordered at the same time, dealing with my own demons still and saying those things to my clients. Yeah. Like you don't want it bad enough, or, you know, it's not that hard or, you know, all of those like cliche statements. Um, And now I can, you know, sometimes get frustrated when someone is repeating the same thing over and over again. I'm like, we've had this conversation a hundred times. Like, why do you still not get it? And I'm like, Marcy, (laughs) take a step back and remember that you are still on your own journey yourself. Um, and one thing that I would said earlier that I wanted to come back to is I have gone through the 12 step process, not because I was a drug addict an alcoholic, but I was addicted to, you know, my own, I guess, self-sabotaging thoughts in a sense. So People pleasing, validation, codependency, eating disorders, all of that. And I mean, it was the hardest work, but the most gratifying work that I've ever done. But one of the things that they say in the program is your addiction, whatever that is for you, is always doing push ups in the background, waiting mm-hmm. for a weak moment. And it's so true. And it's like, I, I still struggle with those things too. And um, I was listening to the Rich Roll podcast, who is also a recovering addict, and he was, interviewing Dr. Peter Atia, who just wrote that book, Outlive. I don't know if you are familiar with him. Um, and he is not like a full-blown addict, but again, an addict in his own right when it comes to perfectionism, workaholism. So he actually, a couple of years ago, had to be sent away and was in a treatment center for, I think, like at least a month, maybe longer, um, because he was just so, so hard on himself. He's like, I spoke to myself like, Bobby Knight. So if you're familiar with Bobby Knight, he was a a basketball coach who was known for just like his horrible temper, you know, throwing chairs across the the court, you know, screaming at the students, all of that. Um, and, And so, yeah, he had to do all this work. And they were talking on the podcast about this commencement speech from David Wall. Um, called This Is Water and how he basically said, Uh, like some sort of higher power, whether it's, you know, God, the universe, whatever it is, like you are going to find a higher power in something, whether that is workaholism, perfectionism, you know, eating disorders. And I was like, when I listened to that the other day, I was like, wow, this is so powerful and it's so true. And if you don't get a handle on it, like it will destroy your life. Um, Maybe slowly, but yeah, at some point it is going to. And so like kind of going back to her, what I was saying, you know, I look at my clients and I see these thought patterns they have, and it's really frustrating. I'm like, like, it's not this hard. Like, let's just move on. Don't you want to be better? I'm like, 
but Marcy, you have to remember that like you were this person for a very long time. And when you're stressed out, when things feel out of control in your life, like you have the tendency to want to go back to that place, or maybe to even go back to that place in some regard to control. So yeah, it just, it's a reminder that we are all a work in progress. And any of us who are coming to this, you know, transformation journey, I I do believe it's rooted in some sort of past trauma. And that's why we really have to be compassionate for people we work with, um, for ourselves, especially, um, and and for everybody else, um, because I think we're all doing the best we can. Oh man. I, that was beautiful. I totally agree. Um, and that's, that's interesting. I never really thought about almost like making a comparison between like your, your faith in a higher power and like your faith in like your, almost like your, your unconscious coping skills, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, it's, I mean, we've, we've said this over and over, like, I, I can't believe we ever thought I mean, there's just so much opportunity. Sometimes like tracking macros was like the first time I think I ever paid attention to myself at at like a certain level, you know? And so there's not that that there's anything all that romantic about macro counting, but just for, for people, women to start um, asking themselves what they want, caring about what they want, independent of what they've been told they should want. But like, what, what do you, what do you want? What's important to you? Like, what are your priorities? What do you want to believe in? Um, it's, it's just like a really, it's a really amazing opportunity to like, what is Brene Brown said, like it says, it says like to, to own your story, you know, right. Like that's, that's healing, but like, you've got to know what your story is, uh, before you can do that. And I think when we are in stress, we go to our most practiced patterns, like you're talking about, right? Like, what are those patterns? I mean, it's such an opportunity with a coach too to like have some witnessing and some, bring some objectivity into like, it's not just like, it's not a question of like, forcing yourself to change so much as it is like understanding yourself and then getting to choose what you want, you know, and, and being able to do, make those changes with your, with your own support, not compensating for flaws or, or the like actually, um, yeah, being, being more intentional and really like getting to know yourself. Oh, Marcy, that you like that, like, that was really, that was a really amazing breakdown. I can't wait to listen to that again. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm a- divine timing. So we were supposed to record this last week and Mm -hmm. I would not have listened to that podcast or watched that YouTube video. I'll send it to you when we're done with this, but it's very powerful. Like it really was an eye-opening moment for me, for sure. Even even though like I knew that inherently, just hearing it again, hearing it in a different way was really powerful. And and never get tired of that feeling. Well, and that in itself is like a microcosm for this whole podcast, right? right? It's like the reason why we say gentle, kind, supportive things to you on our page is because you need to hear that more than you're not working hard enough. Yep. Right. Like you already have that narrative in your head already. Anyways, you don't actually really need someone to tell you that, right. You already have a belief that like, you're not enough or you should be doing it better or whatever it is. Right. But for someone to be like, Hey, how much you're actually doing really amazing things right now. And like, this is how you support yourself through these feelings and emotions. That is a more powerful message for longevity, that is part of your great shift than it is about your most practiced thoughts, which are not thin enough, not pretty enough, not good enough, not worthy enough, not confident enough, not, 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 not. Right. Right. Which makes total sense that if one of the reasons that people engage with content is because it reinforces what they're thinking or what they want to believe, then that makes sense. Why our warmer, smaller audiences are like, you know, engaging with our content at at this level. Right. Well, it it, it kind of like reminds me of the bad relationship. So you're in a, a toxic or an abusive relationship with someone who is critical and, you know, puts you down and all that. And like, you know, it doesn't feel, well, you, you think it doesn't feel good, but you keep going back. Or even if you get out of that relationship, you attract the same type of partner and you just continue to repeat that pattern. So I'm assuming that a lot of these people who are gravitating towards that type of content where it is a little bit shaming, it is pointing the finger. You don't want it bad enough. You don't work hard enough. And my least favorite, I am so over this and I've been wanting to write a post about it. It's 
semi-drafted is the whole discipline over motivation, which I think is it. And I'm so tired of that narrative going back to what I was saying earlier, that oftentimes it is not a lack of motivation, motivation. It's not a lack of discipline. It is a lack of skill set. It's a lack of emotional regulation, the ability to change your mind in the moment, to think helpful thoughts, to feel feelings that are going to allow you to do the thing. And it's really interesting because I have some very successful clients when it comes to like their business, their families, their relationships, and they're definitely, you know, motivated and disciplined when it comes to that, but, you know, they struggle with their nutrition and that is not necessarily because they're unmotivated or undisciplined, but it can go back to how they were raised, you know, the thoughts that they um, you know, grew up with, like even just as simple as like the clean play club or, you know, totally. like you do well at school, let's go out for ice cream. So all of those things have to really be worked through and broken down and rebuilt. And it's not just as simple as, yeah, you don't want it bad enough and you're not disciplined enough. Um, I just think that's such bullshit and it's really making people feel bad about themselves, but based on some of the content that we see and the engagement that it gets, like people still love that. And I do think it's that like mean boyfriend in their head that, that they're used to, because it's that same narrative that they are speaking, that they have been speaking to themselves, or maybe that somebody else has spoken to them for a long time. Like that powerlifting coach of mine who was like, you're lazy. Like he told me to my face, like you're lazy. (laughs) Totally. And I'm sure in his mind, he's thinking, I'm not being rude. I'm just being honest, which is like, (laughs) well, have you considered that? Like the things that are not motivating or you're not disciplined about air quote is that it doesn't align with your core values. If you don't think that you should, if you really truly believe that you should never eat carbs again, you'll be able to never eat carbs again. But if you like carbs, why would you go and not eat carbs? It doesn't align with your values. Like if I value cookies, I'm going to eat cookies. Does that make sense? It's like, so for you to, to, to take on someone else's motivation and discipline and their lifestyle. This is really why we talk about like, this has to be your journey, right? Like if your core values do not align with what you're doing, there's no way that's going to be motivating to you. Totally. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. We all do things we like. We're super motivated and disciplined around the things that we like and we enjoy and we find value in. If you don't find value in it, you're not going to be motivated to do it. Well, and it's so interesting too, because like, I'm going to use a very simple example of cardio, which the pendulum has completely swung the other way again, as it always does in fitness. So when I first got it started, because you and I are, you know, the three of us are around the same age. I'm 39. You're in your early forties. 40, yeah. So we probably got started, you know, with like, I mean, I know for me, it was Kathy Smith VHSs and <laughs> like more like going to step classes with my mom, running on the treadmill, all of that thinking that that was going to get me to look like the woman on the cover of muscle and fitness hers, who was the figure competitor. And I'm like, no, that's drugs. Um, but, but yeah, like just thinking that that was going to be what I needed and starting to do all that cardio. And then the pendulum swinging the other way. Now it's like cardio is going to kill your gains. If you want to build muscle, like, you know, avoid cardio, like the plague. So I did for years and now it shifted again. It's like, we need to be doing like more of this zone cart zone two cardio for heart health and mitochondrial health and all of that. Um, and I started to do cardio again, like, uh, and not just a little bit, but going from like zero to 150 minutes a week. And it's not at all because I want to change my body, but it's because the research that I am reading, the information that I, um, that I've been gathering is like, this is so important for longevity, for health span. And I have the genetic cards stacked against me. So heart disease, Alzheimer's, stroke. And when I hear that doing 150 minutes of zone two cardio a week can prevent all that, like you better believe that I'm on that damn step mill again. (laughs) But it's like, it's a completely different approach. It's not, I am trying to work off what I ate last night, or I'm trying to get as lean as possible. It's like, you know, now approaching 40 years old, it's like, I want to be the healthiest version of me. I want to live, not just live for a long time, but have like a really good quality of life. I don't want to be in a nursing home. Like all of my grandparents were with Alzheimer's disease. I don't want to die at 50. Like my, um, 
my uh, grandfather did of a heart attack. Yeah. So that's my value system. Totally. And like, and being able to like be curious and, and finding those things out about yourself. I mean, that that's this kind of stuff where confidence comes from. Like it, it's not, it's definitely not like an outside in process. Like while you were talking about that, I mean, I was thinking about something like something else was coming up in my mind about like, you know, are the mix of motivations that we can have. Like I, for a long time, I've been like, why is it you know, I never make myself like a cook, cook myself, like a lunch. Like if, if it has to be like a grab and go situation for me. Right. And I've been, kind. Of, I, it's, it's not anything I've like tremendously beat myself up about, but like, I was reading something the other day talking about, like, if you enjoy doing something, you, you would probably enjoy doing it by yourself. Right. And like, I would never just like cook myself a meal just mm-hmm. for me. Like, I don't particularly enjoy cooking, but I do enjoy cooking for other people. Like I enjoy like, like, so, so that, so I can be more, I can be, instead of beating myself up about like why I don't enjoy cooking or why I don't enjoy cooking all the time or do right. Like it's instead, I'm like, I get a little more clarity on like where the value comes from. Right. And like that. And, and I think there's a lot of ways to bring that kind of awareness into how you approach your goals or why you do or don't do certain things instead of just, again, like we talked about at the beginning, just going all or nothing, demonizing or condemning versus like celebrating these behaviors unilaterally instead of looking at the context, right? It's like, you're going out to ice cream with your kids. That's, that's great. Like you can, is that, you know, we say, is that temptation or is that a quality of life thing? It's like, it could be either right. And all how, in how you approach it, if you go in and think, Oh, the diet is ruined or, you know, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to go, this is my chance or whatever. You're going to treat it like with a last meal mentality, or you're going to like not get anything and set that, you know, set that kind of example. I mean, it's all, it's all about, there is no right or wrong. It's all about like what is important to you and how you, how you feel and talk yourself through that situation. Right. And it's also, and I'm going to butcher this. And one other gripe that I have about (laughs) content these days, it's like, everyone's saying the same thing. And you'll sometimes hear everyone saying the same thing, but they're saying it in a different way. I'm like, no, people are like saying the same thing in the same way. So they're just like, <laughs> and, and this, this one is a perfect example of this because it's been said now probably 10 times. I think that Jordan Syatt was the first person and it was something like for one person eating the piece of pizza wow. is the win. The win. Yeah. And then for one person, you know, saying no to the piece of pizza is the win. And okay, so maybe someone puts like the cookie or whatever. Just yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Their own, right? Insert, like, insert insert food. Yeah. Insert. But yeah, it's like I have nothing to create today. So like let me, you know, yes. that's that idea and just yeah, kind of change one word. Um, but but I think that kind of you know goes to what you were saying, Heidi, yeah. is um yeah, it's it's all about like that person's own journey. And I know for me, eating the piece of pizza would have been the win because for so long, I white knuckle, not even white knuckle, it was just kind of like what I did, who I was, you know, avoiding the pizza, like it wasn't necessarily that hard. Um, but but it took a long time to go back to eating the foods that I once, you know, put off limits. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. totally. Dude, we'll have to do this again. I, I love know. this conversation. I mean, I hope that the takeaways that you guys get from it is that like your, you know, your great shift is really subjective to you. And don't let people on Instagram tell you that you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? Mm-hmm. Because they actually don't know you. <laughs> and like, you know, we had somebody dive into our DMs who was trying to like gently correct, you know, something that we had said. And we're like, you know, after with much discussion and energy behind it, it was like, you know, actually, no, that actually is exactly what we meant. Mm. And we're sticking to it, you know, and that's fine. Not not everyone's values are going to align with yours. Not everyone's goals and way they present things are, but make sure that you're checking in with yourself and asking yourself about your journey because it's really no one else's. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really what the three of us are trying to create on Instagram is like for you to just have a little bit more curiosity about yourself instead of trying to make yourself like just another person. Totally. Like Like you, there isn't just one way you have options. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Marcy, tell everyone where to find you. Well, right now, just on Instagram, (laughs) 
Uh, so I'm Marcy Nevin on Instagram and hopefully soon here, I will have another podcast. I did the decades of strength for a couple of years. And then we ended that uh, maybe six months ago or so. And then supposed to be starting a new one. We still do not have the name, but it's going to be a mix of, um, the scientific. So, you know, the fitness, the nutrition, all of that, but also blending the spirituality, um, because, you know, that's kind of our jam, so to speak. So be on the lookout for that dropping hopefully soon. Awesome. Awesome. We will. Very cool. Uh, but thank you guys so much. Uh, I, I have to admit, I'm like, oh, I'm coming after Mark Carroll. I got some big shoes to fill. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did. Shoes, shoes filled fine. That's shoes right. filled fine. That's right. Whew, you made it. The butter dish didn't melt your face. Thanks so much for hanging with us. If you enjoy that episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, share it to your social media, or leave a comment. That all really helps. So the kids say. <laughs> if you want to find us, you can find us at Instagram at Butter Your Macros. On the web at ButterYourMacros.com. Twitter and TikTok at What's Up Butters. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks. <laughs>